So far, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Book of Acts chapter 2, as this morning we will close out our series on the core values of our church. Hopefully you've uh, been able to be a part of this sermon series. If you have not, uh, this sermon series has, uh, is discovering the building blocks of a healthy church. And this way, if anyone is ever to ask you, what is it that our church values? What is it that we, that we pride ourselves on? What is it that we are fighting for and the things that the practices here at our church that we're fighting for? These are things that you can point to. Uh, biblical fidelity or biblical faithfulness, God-honoring worship, expositional preaching, family focus, determined discipleship, gospel witness, and as you'll see this morning, church investment. And if you've missed any of these, um, any of these sermons, you can go and get them on the website or on the church app, and I would encourage you to do that. Our seventh and final core value this morning is seen after Jesus ascends into heaven. The gospel witness that we looked at last week of the disciples has now went forth and ignited a revival across Jerusalem. Thousands of people are saved and baptized. And then here in Acts chapter 2 verses 41 through 47, we see the immediate next step, which is the investment into the local church, into the faith family. And so those that that are saved, the 3,000, will now join the 120 followers of Christ that are already there. And so they will become church members of this other group. And so we go from 120 now down to over 3,000. And so this morning I want us to see the value of being faithful, the value of being faithfully united to a local church. And I want to do this this morning by answering four questions. What is church investment? Who can invest in the church? How do we invest in the church, and what is the reward for investing in the church? So if you will this morning, join me as we look to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. He writes, he says, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with, with, uh, with, uh, with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from the house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. May God be honored this morning in the preaching and the reading of his word. What is church investment? When we come to this text, what we see is is probably the, the results of one of the greatest altar calls in all of church history, right? Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love to be part of that? Be, you know, you're, you're part of that 120 and the preacher stands and he preaches and Peter proclaims Christ and he gives that altar call. He gives that, that call for, for them to come forth and to be saved and 3,000 of them are saved. 
That's exactly what happens. The Apostle Peter has, has delivered a powerful sermon declaring Christ as the Messiah who was crucified and resurrected as the predetermined plan of God to save sinners. And then he now calls them to repent of their sins and to be baptized. And what follows is nothing more than a, nothing short of a miracle. There in verse 41, so then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Could you imagine with me? 3,000 people from one sermon. It's a mind-blowing work of God. It is a mind-blowing work of the Holy Spirit. But what I want you to pay particular attention to to this morning is the details. Certainly a great act uh, in history, a great event here taking place, but take Pay attention to the wording there, for not only is this an explosion of power from the Holy Spirit to save sinners, this is a depiction of the church in action. God is depicting for you a picture of the way the local body is to function and what it was, is to be like. And so notice what, the, uh, notice what Luke says here, the writer of Acts, Luke, he says that they were baptized and that day they were, they were added. That word added means to join. The church was already born and functioning within 120 believers mentioned there in Acts chapter 1 verse 15. They were apparently already gathering together and doing some things. And so Luke mentions now a specific number, not just once but twice. So in Acts 1, 120, now 3,000. And so the fact that he's mentioning these specific numbers would suggest to us that there is some type of record that is being kept. There, there is some type of record about conversion and baptism. There, there is a record being kept of who are the widows that the deacons need to serve. We, we see that later in the book of Acts. There, there's something here. And so a church is not just a universal term, you know, for everyone who professes. It's not just some kind of, just, just you know, this metaphor for everyone who just loves the Lord. The New Testament describes the local church as a collection of people committed to Christ. And committed to one another in a local setting. The church is not the local building. The church is the people. The people who are gathering together on a regular basis. There is a certain number within there. And so he goes on to say that not only were they added to this group. But these 3,000 began to notice. Notice what he says, continually devoting themselves. The 120 were devoted. They were were devoted to the teachings of Christ. They were devoted to breaking bread. They were devoted to these things. But now this 3,000 is added, and now they're joining in, being devoted to the practices within this church. So this implies a strong and steadfast movement or, or motion towards something, continually devoting This is not easy language. This is intense language that he's using, an intense effort and devotion to something. In other words, these 3,000 were now invested in the church. They were invested. They were putting all that they had into what this other group of 120 were doing. They were going to join them, and their lives were going to be invested in all that was taking place. The word invest means you are to involve or engage oneself in something. It is a deep deep commitment 
and I want to use the word invest here because a lot of times we use that word commitment, but let's just go ahead and be very honest this morning that you and I are are really not living in an age where commitment really matters, and and we we can break away from church. We're not really in the age now where commitment matters, where even in school or sports, even in the, the, you know, the the professional leagues, you know, it's nothing for someone to break contract with somebody. And so the word commitment doesn't carry with it the weight that it should. But the word investment is, is that I've invested something in this. And so therefore, if I pull out of this, it's going to hurt. I I may lose something in the process. And not only will I lose something in the process, but those that I have invested with may lose. It may be money. And so that's the way we must feel about the church. That when you are invested in the church, that when you pull out of the church, it hurts. You are are losing. We are losing. It is a deep, deep devotion to something. And in a moment, I'm going to show you what this investment looks like specifically. But for now, FBC, I need to make an important point here. Here is what we do not find in the New Testament. I know normally we're looking at what does the New Testament show us and what do we find. But let me show you what, it, what you will not find in the New Testament. We do not see Christians not joining and investing into the church. You, you will not find that in the New Testament. You will find individuals who you know, go into places, into countries, into towns where there is no church. But when the gospel begins to do the mighty work that Mr. Emmett read earlier, that mighty work that that, that Luke writes about, and and people are being saved like we're seeing here, they begin to join together in a fellowship of people committed to the Lord. But we do not see this idea of Lone Ranger Christianity where where the Christian, you know, I'm a Christian, and all that really matters is me and God and, and not my accountability to anybody else. That is not found in the the Bible. And so right here at the very beginning, the very first church membership program, the very first, you know, part of where we bring people before the church and we add them to the church, we find that it is important for us to be connected together. Membership matters. It matters. It's biblical. And remember what one of our core values is, is that we are, a, we are a church that values biblical fidelity. We don't want to break, we, we don't want to break fellowship with, with the word here. Fidelity, that, that issue of marriage, you're faithful to one another. Well, we want to be faithful to the scriptures. And so if the Bible teaches that the Christian should join a local church, then you and I must be faithful to follow the teachings of the scriptures. And so therefore, what we find here is an application, is that every Christian should join a local church. That there should be no Christian who is not part of a local body somewhere. You should be attending church somewhere. Listen, I understand that there are those who make the arguments, well, the the preacher doesn't do this, and the music doesn't do that, and, and well, this happened here, and that happened there. Fine, find you another place to go. I understand if you've had some issues, we can work, you can work through that with, your net, with the next church, but hear me this morning, it is not okay. It is not okay for the Christian to not join the fellowship of the brethren. 3,000 are saved. 
And you think that that's not that big of a deal, right? That 3,000 are saved and that they're joining. But it is because many of these 3,000 do not live in Jerusalem. How big of a deal is that? There is no other church around the world right now. And so these 3,000 who may live in other places have now joined the kingdom of God. And they see the importance of joining with the church of Jerusalem. And so that's what they do. And so we must proclaim that every Christian should be joined to their brethren in a local church where they are baptized and they are taking the Lord's Supper together and they are fellowshipping together. These are important. But may I suggest to you also this morning, First Baptist, that every church should have a membership role that is cared for. In the book of Hebrews, we find that the pastor is held accountable for all those who, who are part of his local congregation. So could you imagine the pastors, could you imagine Peter here going, okay, we have 3,000 people, woo, that's great. I don't know who they are. And, and I've got to care for them. I, I've, got, I've got to shepherd them. I've got to love i got to pray for them. And I don't even know who their name is. Every church should have a, a membership role that is cared for, that, is, that, 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 that we know who they are and we know, where they, we know where they are and where they're going. Why? Because they have joined with us. They have covenanted with us. How would you like it, beloved, if your wife, if your husband covenanted with you and you don't even know where he or she is? And here we find that we are actually bound Brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. We are actually bound by something far greater here in this church than blood family. We are bound by the Spirit, and we have a responsibility and a care for one another. And so the membership role of the church, beloved, is is something that we should take care of. It is something we should invest in. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, We must re-grasp the idea of the church membership as being the membership of the body of Christ and, don't miss this, that's the biggest honor which can come from man's way in this world. Do you know that there was a time when a man and a woman joined a local church? It meant something. It meant something. There was great honor and great pride. Not, not in that we've gained another number. No, not in that our church is getting bigger and we're being more competitive with the people around. No, 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 no. But that we have joined ourselves with something special. Something better than a little league team, something better than, than a rotary club, something better, better than some kind of organization. We have joined ourselves to the people of God, the people who are like me. And we must regress the idea that the joining, the adding to, beloved, is something of great importance and of value within the local church. So then that leads us to another question. And then who can invest? Who can join the local church? Well, we notice here that those who received the word, if you notice, they were received the word and they were baptized. So in other words, not just anyone was added to the 120. It's very likely on that day there may have been those who said, I, I want to join you guys. But they never got added to the 3,000. You see, because there was a criteria for those who were accepted. What's amazing is that many Christians would be appalled today of the apostles. 
we, we would look at Peter and Paul and John and them, and we would go, man, you guys, you, y- y'all are, y'all's standard is way too high. Because they, because they made sure that those who were investing into the church were invested in their confession of faith. Not just anyone could come. Only those who were genuine could join within the local church. Notice, those who received his word. Whose word? Peter. The Greek word implies implies that they welcomed his message and they accepted it. So what did Peter preach? Well, Peter proclaimed the gospel. Peter was preaching a message that was condemning the Jews and Judaism of killing Christ. And in this, he was proclaiming to them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Christ, how Christ had given his life and died for them, that God's wrath may be removed from them. And that three days later, he rose in, in victory and in power. And that all who would repent of their sins and be, and be baptized would be saved. This is the good news of Christ. This is the gospel. It means to receive The crowd received the gospel. They welcomed the gospel. They agreed with the gospel. They agreed with the fact that they were sinners in need of salvation. They agreed with the fact that Jesus Christ, who died, was really the Messiah, who was the Son of God. They they agreed that, that they need to turn away from Judaism and embrace this new thing, this new movement that was going on. They believed he died for their sins. They believed he literally rose from the grave. And all of this is a work of the Spirit being brought, being brought forth through, in them. And so this shows us that the lost cannot join the church. They cannot. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 15 says, Do not be mismatched with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and lawlessness share together? Or what does light have in common with darkness? Or what harmony does Christ have with Belial? Or what does a believer share with an unbeliever? Or notice this. Or what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of God. Or how about Revelation chapter 2, the church of Pergam, in verses 14 and 16 there, chapter 2 of Revelation, Christ rebuked the church for allowing unbelievers to infiltrate the church and begin to cause chaos. And so, beloved, I would suggest to you this morning that to ignore this fact, to ignore it, to not care, to not, to not be invested in those that are coming in, you not caring, saying, oh, it's just the pastor's job, he'll figure it out, that you not being vigilant in this yourself, and then we as a church not purposefully structuring the church where the unbeliever, you know, is ex- where the unbeliever is accepted as a member though they're not saved. That we would see this as being unbiblical and will bring forth judgment upon the local church. Now let me say this. This does not mean that unbelievers cannot come into the church. You have to understand there is a difference from you being here this morning and us opening up our doors and calling the world in there to hear the preaching of the gospel. But it is a different thing that when the Lord's table is out here and we go to take of the bread and of the cup, there's a difference in that. Because only the member can do that. Only those who are truly saved can do that. So there is a difference in that. It's not just an issue of voting. And so therefore, we do welcome the unbeliever into the worship service, into the Sunday school classroom. We do welcome them to all of our activities and all the things because we want to share the gospel with them. Because at the end of the day, we want you to be joined with us. Not just so that you will join with us and we can go, Woo, our membership role got bigger. But that we can say, God has saved another sinner. 
We want you to hear the gospel. The membership belongs only to the believer. And if one would believe in Christ and repent of their sin they, and be saved, they could be added to the family. And I would call upon you this morning, beloved, as I have just shared the gospel with you, that you would repent and believe in Christ just as they did. And join us. Why? I love 1 John. I was reading this this morning, 1 John. He says, we testify to you of Christ. Why? Because it is our joy. It is the joy of the believers to, to see others become brothers and sisters, to be reborn as our brothers and sisters in the faith. But secondly, not only was those who joined were those who were believed, but also notice they were baptized. Now this part is very important. A person could not just say that he believed and joined the church. He had to be genuine. He had to be truly saved. Now, in our day, I understand baptism does, does not carry the test of genuineness. We can't really, you know, it's one of those, don't, you know, we shouldn't say amen, we should say oh me. Because we've taken baptism and we've really kind of just any and everybody can, and you can be rebaptized three or four times, and all that kind of stuff. So, so, so baptism for us, beloved, is something that we need to we need to revitalize the meaning of it. But but I understand that in our day it does not carry the test of genuineness. But in their day it did, because if a Jew in their day professed to have received Peter's word and they were baptized, a big target was painted on their back. Because it was a public break from Judaism. It was humiliating for the Jew to be baptized because this was something that the Gentile would do to convert to, convert to Judaism. And so, so baptism painted a target on their back for persecution. It was a public break from Judaism into Christianity. So therefore, to be added to the church, one had to be genuine. And the test of genuineness was baptism. And though baptism is a sacred and symbolic act, it does no longer carries today the burden of persecution. And that's okay. It's not, a high, it's not a high cost that you may lose your life physically to be baptized. But that does not mean that we must not test the truthfulness of one's profession. For not everyone who professes salvation actually possesses salvation. And so therefore, the church must do its very best to make sure that those who are being added to are truly invested, not in just the church, hear me out, are truly invested in their confession of faith. Be baptized. I can't do that. Christ said, you must pick up your cross and follow me. Did we not hear that sermon just a few weeks ago? And if you can't pick up your cross and follow me, then you can't be with me. And so this is why, beloved, the membership process is very important within our church. We ask people who, who join our church to, 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 to meet with us, to, to talk with the pastors, to talk with you. This is important for you. And I know that it, 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 sounds, it can sound hard, but hear me on this, beloved. This is about Christ and the glory of Christ. This is about you and I regrasping the, the, the holiness and the, and, the, and the sacredness of the church and of salvation. And so in our membership process, we, we ask people to make contact with the church, to, to attend our church, come and be with us and, and, and worship with us. And, and, and yes, if you want to join our church, then let's begin the process. But we want you to begin to, to invest in what we are doing and know what we are doing. This is the reason why we ask you to, to do hospitality. 
You can look around. This is the beauty, by the way. This is, this is the beauty of what God is doing at FBC right now. You can look around almost every Sunday, and you will see someone that you have not seen before. Or you will see someone that's, that, that they came last week or the week before, and they're starting to come. Praise God. Amen? Amen. Visitors are coming. People are coming. And so this is an opportunity for you FBC, you, the church member, to begin investing in the church by beginning to say, look, I don't, I've seen you, I know you, but I want to get to know you. Look, I'm going to take you out to, to, to Jalisco's, to, to Armadillo's, I'm going to take you to Just Wayne. I'll take you to the pastor's house. Melanie's got something cooked, right? <laughs> Normally, yes. And I just want, I just want to eat with you. I just want to... Let's drink coffee at the coffee shop. And then you begin to get to invest in them and you begin to find out, is this a genuine thing? And here's, and here's the question, well, what if it's not? What if they're wrong on some things? What? And all of a sudden everybody wants to think, well, we're just going to throw them away. No, no, no. This is where you get to share the gospel. Three circles, anybody? This is where you begin to get to share the gospel. We ask people to unite with our Sunday school class. That you begin, that you get in the Sunday school class and you begin to, to, to sit with other believers in the church. And you begin to, to laugh with them and cry with them and you begin to get taught by them. And you're, you're part of that class and you're growing and you're learning about our church. You're learning about one another. We do the research thing with our memberships class. Where, where those go through the membership class and, and we, and sometimes I feel like it's more just handing people paper sometimes. Because we're, this is what we believe, this is what we're doing, this is... But, but we want you to know who we are. As Jim Law told me one time at his church, he said there was an individual who had joined their church. They came down, they voted on him. He said three weeks later, the guy walked up to him and he said, if I'd have known you believe half the mess that, you, that I've learned in the last three weeks, I would have never joined this church. He says, y'all don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't believe in homosexuality? Same-sex marriage? You, you don't believe this sin is wrong and this sin is wrong and y'all believe this about God? Oh, beloved, we want people to know who we are and what we believe. We want them, we want to know their genuineness that when they invest in our church and they are investing in their confession of faith, and then we prayerfully consider that they join the church. We, we, we ask them to begin to pray. We pray for them. The prayer room begins to pray for them. You begin to pray for our guest. And then we as a church family will gather together and then we will affirm their, 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 their coming and adding in. That if this is the church that God has for them, that this is brothers and sisters in Christ, then we want to rejoice in that. Eat some cake, drink some punch, rejoice. The membership process, beloved, is a test of genuineness. It allows the church to know if the person is investing in Christ, has invested in Christ. And I know that we think that this is something the pastors are to do, but beloved, we are in this together. So I ask of you, FPC. That as God begins to bring people into the church and as people begin to come, that you begin to love on them and that you begin to pray for them and that you begin to, to have conversations with them in their relationship with God. And here's what you may find. Is you may find that some of them, if not many of them, are coming here because they're going, you know what? I wasn't getting what I needed from this church or I... I had a bad experience at this church, and I just need someone to love on me and help me and carry me. And you get to be a part of that. You get to say to your brother and sister in Christ, hey, look, we want to walk with you. This is what was happening here. 
The, the, the baptism of the 3,000 was not, it, it wasn't some just whiff of a thing where you just did it. It came with great cost and at a great price, and it tested and knew their genuineness. But not only that, we also see how, do we, how we invest in the church. So, so, so notice, what they, notice what he said here in verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And it says, and everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together, had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions, were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. How are they investing? How, how should we, the members of FBC, be investing right now? What should we be committed to? What practices? Well, I would tell you this. Number one, worship gatherings. And this right here is something that we should be continually devoted to. For where does one go to hear the teaching of the apostles? Now, again, we, we don't have, you know, the, the apostles teaching. You know, we're not apostles, but certainly a church has a pastor who God has ordained and he given his spirit. You know, his spirit has led him and called him. That's a spiritual gift to preach, and he is studying and doing. And so the preaching is going forth. So where would you go to get the preaching? But yet through the, the local gathering. Where would they have broken bread? Where would they have taken the Lord's Supper? But in the worship gathering. Where would they have had the fellowship with one another? But in the worship gathering. And so what consisted of 120 now has grown into a larger gathering. So now these Christians are investing and making sure that they are faithful to gather on Sunday to bring glory and honor to the Lord in all of these ways. Tom Rainer said this, he said three decades ago, he said, a very active church member attended three times a week. Today, we call those who attend three times a month an active church member. Let that sink for a second. Three times a week was active. Now it's three times a month. You wouldn't call a baseball team who had a player who only came three times a month active, would you? You wouldn't call those at your workplace who only came to work three times a month active, would you? You wouldn't call your spouse who only comes home three times a month active, would you? But for some reason, we've lowered the bar when it comes to the church gathering. I'm not saying that you have to be at every event. I'm not saying that you have to be at everything. Listen, we are busy. There are all those things that we just can't do. But the weekly worship gathering is the one thing, beloved, that we should be faithful to do. And this is what was taking place right here. They were gathering. And so if this is you this morning, I would call you to repentance. I would call you to repentance and to step up and invest in your faith, in the faithful gathering of your faith family. That as we, that we as a church would desire to be faithful in our membership, faithful in our attendance in the worshiping of God. But secondly, not only this, we see determined discipleship, as Brother Trey talked about a few weeks ago. These Christians needed to be taught and to think, live, and to, to need to be taught to think and live biblically. So how would that take place? Well, they were devoting themselves to the teachings of the apostles. They were devoting themselves to the fellowship of the saints. Now, I know that the fellowship of the saints for you and I is a good Baptist potluck. That's not the fellowship they're talking about. 
The fellowship they're talking about is that being, having all in common, being of one mind. It's that bond that has been created. It's an intimate fellowship. It is something that is greater than the bond of blood. And so Brother Trey, he preached on this other day that we are to, that we are to pick up our cross and we are to, we are to carry our cross and begin to grow. So, so they, are, they are committed, they are invested in growing with one another. Church investment carries with it a determination to grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. That when you invest in a church below, you are investing in a, a discipleship boot camp. Did you know that? You are investing in a discipleship boot camp. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse verse 11. He says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors, and as teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and the deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. That when we join a church, beloved, we're not just joining just for our resume. We are joining the church because we understand that we, not only has God saved us, but God is now in the process of sanctifying us. And you need a church for that. I need a church for that. I, I can't attain what God's called me to attain without you. Did you know that? Did you feel the weight of that? We've been called to be holy and righteous and to live like Christ. I can't do that as a lone ranger. I need the church for that. And so when I join the church, I'm joining the church in the process of helping me grow in as a disciple of Christ. You are that important to me. And I would pray that those sitting to your right and to your left and to front of you and behind you are that important to you. That you see the value of them. That we are working together that we may grow into a mature believer, a mature faith family. But not only are we, are we here to invest in discipleship, we are, we are here to invest in the joyful fellowship. The Greek describes the experience here of having something in common, sharing things in common. It even talks about this, you know, even, they were so in common, they were selling things and giving to one another. They, they were very much connected. It signifies an active, enjoying participation and cooperation in the common interests or activities. These Christians were discovering a relationship bond that they had never had before with someone who wasn't their blood. And the greatest relationship that they had, the greatest bond other than that, was Judaism. And that was killing them. And now they're finding something so intimate and special, born out of spirit. Men and women who knew nothing about one another, who were all across the globe, who had come to Jerusalem and now were being brought into the very homes of other Christians. And they were providing meals for them. Church membership, beloved, is an investment in the church fellowship that when you join a church, you're not just going to church with people. No, those people become your family. 
I'm not just going to church with, with you people. You people are the closest thing I got. You're closer than blood. Some of you have grandparent names. Some of you will receive a phone call from me before I would ever call a family member. Because you're mine. And I don't have that anywhere else. And so Sunday mornings was the gathering of the believers below. It is a gathering of the most special people in my life. As I would hope that it is for you. Why would I want to invest in something else that can't give me what I got right here? This is my investment. I'm investing in you. I sometimes look at my children and I say, you're my retirement plan. I'm investing in you to take care of me. Some of you, yes, Kim said, uh-oh, that's right, Kim. <laughs> Some of you, I need you. And we need each other. But then there's the willing service. That not only do I have a closeness among the believers, but also willingness to serve one another. That many of the 3,000, again, were visitors to Jerusalem. And so when they were saved, they joined the local church. And they began to make that their home. But here's the problem. They didn't have a home. They didn't have a house. Nor did their finances, you know, did they have the finances for an extended stay. So what did the local church do? This wasn't, this is what people try to say is communism here and socialism. What this is, is, is the Christians looking to the others and saying, I know you don't have a place to stay. Let me give you something. Let me, let me, I got some things I can take care of that can help you out. I know that you don't have food. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you. Again, that's what this is. Local Christians began to sell off the things that they had and begin to use their, their resources, their talents, their gifts. Church investment, beloved, carries with it the willingness to serve other church members. That we are, we're here for one another. And so therefore, there are resources available here. When someone loses a job, we say, okay, let's go to the church. Maybe the church can help us. Maybe there's someone here who knows of a job opening or who can help. It's not just an issue of just giving money to people. It's an issue of helping people, being, helping them be good stewards. It's an issue of us using our talents and our abilities. Some of you are great carpenters. Some, some of you ha- are, are, are great with finances. And so you're able to not just give money. You are able to help people know how to be good stewards. You all have talents and gifts. And God has given you a spiritual gift that is to be used here within the church. And some of you have the gift of encouragement, beloved. You have the gift of mercy. And so you love, you encourage and love on the brothers and sisters of your church. We're not going to get that anywhere else. And so therefore we invest in that. That to be part of the local body, beloved, carries with it the willingness to serve one another. So as you can see, in all of these areas, being a church member carries with it a commitment to church life. That when you invest in the church, beloved, you're not just investing in attendance for good measure. You are investing in the worship of God and the edification and the sanctification of one another. And so I ask you this morning, FBC, are you invested Is First Baptist Church of Jonesboro 
valuable to you. I'm not asking you if it's valuable enough to give your money. I'm asking you is what is being done in this place and these people that are surround you today, are they valuable to you that you would invest your life with one another in the worship of God weekly, the discipleship training, the joyful fellowship and the unity of the church and the service of others? If the answer is no, then you are not an active member of the church. Oh, beloved, invest in the church. God has given you something so special, so precious. Invest in the church. And then we say, what is the reward, Brother Brian? What do I get out of investing? And I know that sounds kind of bad, but it's really not. Because there are benefits in investing the church. And there may not be the benefits that you think. But what is the benefit here? Well, notice what the text says. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And then we skip down and it says, Praising God and having favor with all, men, all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day by day those who are being saved. And for time's sake, I cannot go this morning in to all of the things that are taking place, but I want to draw your attention to the, the sense of awe. I, I want to draw your attention there because this refers to a word that is used throughout the entire New Testament referring to fear and terror. Now, hopefully when you come, to, come on Sunday mornings, you're not terrified to come. No amens, right? All right, good. All right. But it is a word that also carries with it deep respect and deep reverence or wholesome fear. John MacArthur said it this way, and I think he describes it best. He refers to the fear or the holy terror related to the sense of divine presence bringing an attitude of reverence. So in other words, what is being described here? What is the result? What happens when a church, when the people of the local body are invested in the church? What happens when we take it seriously about who, who we are and who joins and, and how we are to invest in one another? It describes the feeling produced when one realizes God is at hand. That when we come into the church or when we talk about that church, that people can say, God is there. God is working. What is the benefit? What is the reward? The reward is, is that God is being glorified, we are being sanctified, and other people are being added to because they are being saved. And that is what we call a work of Christ, a work of God. So when God's people are invested in the local church, God's presence is known and is felt. And we begin to sing the old hymn, I stand, I stand in all of you. I stand, I stand in all of you. Holy God, to whom all praises due, I stand in all of you. Are we standing and having a visible, a visible picture of God and that's what we're in awe of? No. What are we in awe of? We're in awe of God working through what? The local church. For Charles Spurgeon said, the Bible is not the light of the world. It is the light of the church. But the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. 
The world reads the church. And so we are the light of the world. FBC, we are the light of the world. We, this church, you here this morning, we are the light of the world. So let us invest in this light. Let us invest in this place that it may be fueled and it may grow, that it may be a, a, a bonfire that is seen for, for miles and miles that people will know that God is present there within that local body because they are invested. His people are invested. Beloved, is that not what you want this morning? Is that not what you want? Or do you just want to say, we got a whole bunch of people? Or do you want to say, God is present. Join the church. Invest in the church. We must join the church. We must tend to the church membership. It must be something of great importance to us. Be committed to the practices of the worship, of discipleship, of the fellowship, and of the service to one another. And as we do these things, beloved, and as I call you today, I call you that if you have, that if you have not, that this morning, if you've heard the gospel for the first time and you want to join the family of God, then come, come, repent of your sins and be saved. Join the family. Or if you don't have a local church, come and join the church. We're not a perfect church, but come and join that we may all work together and be invested together and that we can all sit back and stand in awe of the presence of God at First Baptist Church in Jonesboro. And that he may receive all praise. Let's pray.